Hello everyone, um, and uh, in today's episode I'm going to be speaking to Matt um, and, 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 and he's going to be speaking about um, his journey with Crohn's disease. Um, so th thank you Matt for um, jo joining me today and uh, could you just talk about um, your, like, your journey and um, Crohn's disease? Yeah, no problem. So uh, thank you for having me on Mason. Um, so my journey with Crohn's probably started a few years before I was diagnosed. Um, so it was back in about 2009, 2010 that I started noticing a few sort of funny things, um, more urgency to go to the toilet. I was feeling sick quite a lot in the mornings and throwing up quite a lot. Um, and I always just sort of put it down to anything really, anything other than there's actually something wrong with me. I drank too much last night or, um, I ate something funny. Uh, and this went on for quite a while, uh, to be honest with you, um, in, when I was 21, uh, in 2011, uh, I went off to university in Wales, uh, the University of Wales, Trinity St. David's, Carmarthen, um, where I was studying a degree in acting. Um, and it started off fantastically, um, uh, feeling good. Uh, things were a bit funny with my tummy, but not too bad. I was um, out partying. I was doing sort of proper uni life stuff. Um, this sort of deteriorated after Christmas. Uh, quite dramatically, I started to lose weight. I started to become incredibly fatigued, um, completely open and honest, uh, loads of blood uh, in my stools, um, watery diarrhea, uh, a huge amount of stomach pain all of the time. Nothing I could do um, would bring it back. I mean, hot water bottle helped to subside, uh, subside a little bit, but um, nowhere near sort of back down to normal levels. At uh, this time, I was working out a bit as well. So as I was losing weight, I sort of got a bit of body dysmorphia, um, which I think I've had a little bit of all my life, to be honest. Um, but I started thinking, oh, you're looking, uh, you're looking amazing. You're looking really good. You're looking ripped. Um, when actual fact, I'd gone down to 10 stone. And for someone who's six foot three um, and whose weight at about 16, 17, when I was playing a lot of competitive rugby, was about 16 stone. To go down to 10 stone... Um, I looked incredibly thin. I was, I was skeletal. In fact, you could see all of my ribs, uh, which you generally can, but you could really see them defined. Um, my girlfriend at the time um, couldn't lie on my shoulder because it was just bone. There was no muscle or fat or anything, um, sort of making it comfortable for her, <laughs> making yeah. it a pillow or anything. It was, it was quite horrible, really. Um, and this went on for a long time. Mum started nagging me uh, nonstop in a good way. Um, to go to the doctors, you need to go to the doctors, you need to get checked out, there's something not right. Um, and I kept on putting it off um, until it was actually a friend of mine um, said to me, uh, we're having a conversation, I had popped out uh, during one of the lectures, uh, lectures to go to the toilet, came back and said, you ever get it when you've eaten something dodgy and then there's blood in your poo? Um, yeah. His response was, no, <laughs> there's something not right with you, Matt. And <laughs> well, and that sort of hit home with me. Um, so I did end up making an appointment. Uh, it was incredibly difficult to get down to the doctors. I mean, it was sort of a half hour, 40 minute walk, which is for anyone who's not constantly going to the toilet isn't an issue. But for, for me, um, it, it was an issue. Yeah. Any journey I took of any length at the time, I was planning out my routes via the nearest toilets en route. Uh, I'm sure everyone 
who has IBD has done that, <laughs> sort of worked out where they can sort of pop in at any point if they need to, check in if places are open, um, are there any public toilets around or whatever. Um, so I went and got checked out by the GP. She did uh, blood samples, stool samples, uh, checked everything. She was really good. Uh, my test results came back showing no inflammation, uh, very little inflammation. I had the inflammation markers of someone who had a slight cold. Um, but she listened to the, the, the whole picture. She was very holistic in her method. Um, so sent me off to, um, to the nearest hospital, uh, a tiny little hospital. I can't remember what it's called now, but a, a tiny hospital um, near Carmarthen. Um, so I went in and a general surgeon uh, was doing a scope on me. Uh, this wasn't one of those uh, nice, flexible sigmoidoscopies that I've had since then. This was a solid rod scope, um, and it's without doubt one of the most painful things I've ever uh, felt in my life. Mum came with me and was uh, behind the curtain uh, on the other side, um, and the, the screams of pain, uh, she, she told me just the other day that uh, she, she nearly passed out because she was just hearing her son screaming in agony. Um, uh, at that point, the, uh, the general surgeon decided it was time to go for a full colonoscopy. Um, so a few weeks later, I came back. This was sort of during the, uh, during the summer break uh, of uni. So we schlepped back out from, from London uh, to West Wales um, to have this done. And that was my first uh, experience of uh, movie prep. Uh, which again, I'm sure anyone who's ever yeah. had a colonoscopy's had that <laughs> horrible stuff. Uh, yeah. And when you're when you're riddled uh, with with illness, it hurts. Um, it's the most vile stuff in the world, and it's not easy to drink either. Yeah, because um, um, is it, is every um, I think it's every 15 minutes, isn't it? That you have to have yeah, you got to take open. a lot of it. Yeah, and then you're up all night, just water passing through you, everything coming out of you. Yeah. Um, so I went in for my colonoscopy um, the next day. Uh, and even though I'd had uh, anaesthetic, even though I was sort of semi-sedated, I was still in absolute agony. Uh, the surgical nurse who was in there, bearing in mind this is a small West Wales hospital, said it's the worst she had ever seen. Um, again, I stipulate, I'm not saying I'm a special case, this was a small West Wales hospital, um, but that was pretty intense for me. Um, the one thing that sort of kept me going was actually watching the on the TV screen, seeing my seeing my inside stuff. I found yeah. that quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, and watching when they were taking out little samples and and seeing if it was hurting at the same time as they were doing it. So I'm a bit of an odd creature like that. Um, so I was initially diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Um, the general surgeon was the the person who had done it, and then I was uh, passed on to the specialist gastro team. Um, the, the gastro doctor took one look at the pictures and said, no, no, you've got Crohn's. Uh, it's slightly different, uh, but that's Crohn's, not uh, colitis. Uh, and then he sort of explained to me what that meant um, and, and what, what Crohn's was and, and what drugs I was going to be taking to try and uh, reduce the inflammation. Um, so I started on azathioprine, mesalazine and uh, prednisolone, uh, I'm sure. Again, everyone's had the, the pred, the dreaded pred. Um, yeah. uh, it's amazing. It is an amazing drug. I was, I was on a, a 
high dosage. Um, but I was begging them for more because every time I was reducing, things were progressively getting worse. Um, so I was starting on whatever the dosage was going down and things would get worse again. Um, I then decided I wasn't going to continue my degree because there was no way I was going to enjoy the rest of the degree. So I left university, came back to London and went back to work um, in tourist attraction I've been working in before. Um, going to see my new gastros. Uh, they basically said throw out the mesalazine. There's no need for it. It's essentially paracetamol. It's not going to do anything for you. <laughs> Soon after that, I uh, started in Fliximab, uh, which is my first uh, biologic uh, that I went on to. Uh, it worked fantastically to start with. Uh, I think I was on an eight-week cycle uh, to begin with. Uh, first four weeks were fine. Then I started sliding. And this happened every single time. So they increased my dosage. Um, well, it increased the, the frequency to every four weeks. Uh, eventually that just stopped working. It wasn't doing me any good. Uh, so they put me on the Humera, uh, Adalimumab is the, the given name for it. Um, and again, exactly the same thing happened. Um, it would work for a period of time and then drop off. Then it would work again and then it would drop off. Um, to say the Infliximab, actually, let's go back. The Infliximab um, was brilliant, but I had to take a whole day off work because it wore me out so much, um, the, the drug. And I don't know what it was because um, I've never had that with any other drug. But it, it fatigued me massively um, having the Infliximab on the day and the day after. Um, so I always had to take the day off. There was no chance of me going to work on those days. Um, so, yeah, the Humera um, was on that for a fair while as well. Uh, regular, regularly injecting that. And again, it lost its potency, which is when they decided to move me on to uh, Vedalizumab. Um, same thing happened, exactly the same story. It was working and then suddenly it wasn't working. It was working and then it wasn't working. Uh, and I got to the point where I just had enough of it. I'd been working for one of the major museums in London at this point. Um, at the first off-site shop they did. I was the, the manager down there. It was incredibly stressful. It was Christmas time in a big shopping centre. Um, I think I've worked out that I worked every day for three and a half months in some form. Uh, so incredibly stressful. Um, and yeah, I got to the point where I said to, to my specialists, cut me. You need to cut me now. Um, I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. Uh, so I got a phone call from a from a junior um, surgeon who said, "Ah, oh, we want to get you in to, uh, to to form a stoma, but actually you've also got a fistula um, around Uranus." Uh, and they'd sort of said what this was a little bit because I'd sort of shown them uh, this gaping hole, um, which wasn't great at all. Um, and that was kind of emergent. That was really important to get done. Um, so what they were planning on doing is fitting me with a loose seat on and sorting that out and then doing my stoma later on. Um, so I said, well, can't we just do them at the same time? Which they agreed to, we booked in for, for two weeks later um, and I had both surgeries at the same time. Uh, so I've now got a newly formed stoma that I've asked for. Yeah. Um, things seemed all right in the first couple of days, uh, but then it became apparent that something wasn't right um things weren't passing through my stoma as they should have been um i was throwing up an awful lot um 
and this went on for about a week. I should have been home by this point, and it, it kept on going on. So they ordered an MRI scan. Um, I was taken down by the porter to, to get the MRI. Uh, and I sort of turned around to them. We were waiting. I'm going to be sick. I need you to get me a kidney dish. Um, that porter was texting away on the phone, texting away on the phone. Um, I need a kidney dish now. I'm going to throw up. Oh, no, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> Everywhere. All over the hospital. Um, I think that porter will never do that again and will listen to the patient that they're looking after at that time uh, post that. Um, my surgeon came to me the next day after seeing the, uh, the, the scans that they had taken uh, and said, I'm really sorry. Um, I've not made the opening wide enough. That's why you're having these problems because your muscles are, are too tight around it. So it's not allowing anything to pass with the swelling. That's not good. Um, I no. said, oh, don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Yeah. To which he said, no, it is my fault. I messed up and I'm going to fix it this afternoon. So I thought, oh. brilliant. Yeah, no yeah. problem. So right, let's, let's get this done. And to be honest, I was thankful for his honesty because a lot of people would try and shy away from it. But he's a very experienced doctor yeah. at Geyser St. Thomas's. And he, I mean, he's amazing. Um, so, yeah, back in I went uh, that afternoon, had the stoma fitted properly. Um, and I was planning on going home in a few days. It was a bank holiday weekend. Um, so they were trying to keep me in uh, until the Monday. Uh, I think it was about the Sunday. Uh, no, the Tuesday they were trying to keep me in until the Sunday. I went, I've had enough. I want to go home. I'm fine. Send me home now, please. Um, so they did. <laughs> when I saw the, uh, the stoma nurses a while afterwards, uh, they sort of said to me, why, uh, why couldn't you just wait two more days to see us? <laughs> It's all right. You already showed me what to do. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they were like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, that was quite funny. Um, I would say it took me about six months to recover from that surgery properly. Um, three months before I was driving and going back to work and things like that. But to properly get myself back, it took about six months. Um, yeah. During that period, me and my girlfriend, who had been my girlfriend throughout that time, broke up. Um, which was fairly stressful. Um, yeah. And at that point, I was just like, well, let's see what happens. Let's just have a good life. Let's go out there and, and lead it to its fullest. So I did. Um, just going back, before my surgery, I'd spoken to, to uh, the surgeon about rugby, really important part of my life. Um, and he said he had never heard of anyone playing with a stoma. Um, and out of everything that was talked about. I didn't mind having a stoma. I didn't mind anything else. The only thing that mattered to me was the rugby, but I was yeah. never going to play again, was what I was told. Um, and that's the only thing I cried about the whole time, was not being able to play rugby. Um, I think I was given some very bad advice in the hospital um, in terms of diet and eating. Uh, Again, I'd lost weight again after the surgery, having not been able to eat for about two weeks. I dropped down to about 14 stone uh, and was going down. And they basically said to me, eat whatever you like. Eat cakes, eat crisps, eat chocolate, eat anything. Just get the weight back on. And this developed in some pretty bad eating habits for me, which I've only just got out of four years later. Is there, um, like, like, like with eating and stuff, is there like anything that you like avoid? Or anything? Um, not particularly. I avoid fish because it smells when it comes out my bag. Because um, I've got an ileostomy, so 
food yeah. isn't processed properly. Um, but uh, no, I've got no real restrictions on my diet. I've never eat, uh, eaten cheese, um, so that's never been anything on my mind. But I'm kind of, well, it's not coming out the bottom end, so I'm not going to have to deal with the, the pain or agony or anything. I'll eat whatever, and I'll just deal with the bag situation tomorrow. So um, me and my friends love going for a curry. We'll go for a curry. Um, and if it means that my stall is a little bit so the next day not a problem at all for me because I'm able to enjoy uh, whatever I kind of want um so back onto the rugby note I so I was never going to play again uh, but I'd been out drinking on a Friday night uh, with uh, a few friends it was only about 11 o'clock but I'd had an absolute skinful by this point and I'm sitting in a local uh, a local chicken shop uh, and an email came round the rugby group saying uh, is anyone available for tomorrow? We're short. And me and my drunken state thought it was a very good idea to go, I'm in. Uh, I'll play tomorrow. Um, I woke up the next morning with a hangover regretting that decision greatly. Um, but I played. Yeah. Um, I played. I scored uh, a try that day um, and played pretty well for someone who's been out of the game for nine months, so I was never going to play again. Um, so I continued playing for the rest of that season. Uh, I, was, I was in then. Uh, I'd got the bug. And I realised that I could play with a stoma. Um, I'd already played cricket by this point over the summer. Um, not to the best of my ability, but I was still recovering from surgery. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was playing rugby again. Uh, and that was amazing. Um, so that's kind of diagnosis up to surgery. Uh, nothing's really changed. Um, I'm in a good place. My body is working for me the way it should be. I've recently started running and really getting into some kind of fitness. I've obviously been playing rugby for this whole time, um, but I never took the fitness seriously. I've realized I'm now the wrong side of 30, and it's probably the time to start taking it seriously if I'm going to prolong my career at all. Um, and I feel probably more exhausted than most people do after doing a 5K, um, but I'm able to do that 5K. Um, over the last two rugby seasons, I've played every competitive match that we've had. Uh, I've captained the side. Uh, we've won two league titles. Um, so it, it doesn't stop me at all. Um, there's a couple of things that are a bit more difficult uh, to do. Uh, but like burpees. Burpees are a bit difficult yeah. just because of where my stoma is and getting my legs up underneath my body to lift myself up. But I adapt what I'm doing so I'm still doing the exercises that we're supposed to be doing. Um, um sorry, yeah, it, it like like for, 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 throughout like all these all, all this time, like it seems like you've been through a hell of a lot, like like with all these medications that you've been on, and and especially like um like you say playing rugby with a stoma, like like you said like you're the only one in I think in your team that who's got a stoma playing rugby, mm -hmm. and, and and to me that is and to everyone is really inspiring because like you're just being you like like um like like like, like playing with your stoma just doing what you love well that's it i mean i can't take full credit for it i saw a post about a guy who's playing rugby league which is a slightly different sport to rugby union that i play mm -hmm. uh he was playing with a stoma so i reached out to him and asked him sort of how he how he does it and he told me bit of brava tape hernia belt and go just don't start too early 
I can't remember the man's name, um, but absolutely inspired me to, to get back into it. Um, there have been some uh, unfortunate accidents playing rugby and cricket um, with my bag. On one occasion, I don't know how it happened, but someone's fingers got underneath my bag, ripped it off slightly. Um, I was fine, didn't bother me at all. I ran back into the changing rooms, changed out my bag, back onto the field. Felt sorry for the guy because he'd probably just look down and see a load of poo on his fingers or something. Um, yeah. But I also worked out that if I, I mean, this is pretty bad. I generally don't eat before a match. Um, if I do, I only eat proteins um, just to give me a bit of a boost. And I'll only eat them a certain amount of time, sort of three hours before a match. So I know that there's no um, no output going to happen during a game. I also take, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, I can't remember the name of them. Um, but whatever they are that stop your, your bowels working um, for that period. We'll take three or four of those just to make sure everything's completely stopped for the time being. Um, so there's no output. Um, funny cricket story. Uh, I was wicket keeping. Uh, yeah. Misjudged the bounce of a ball. Uh, this was in the early days. I hadn't really sort of got used to what I was doing with the bag. Um, ball hit me square in the bag. Bang. Big explosion. All over oh. me cricket whites. And that's not the one to have because they're, they're white. Absolutely <laughs> 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 everywhere. Yeah. Lucky I was only playing sort of 20 minutes from home. So I jumped in the car, drove back, had a shower, got changed and back out again I was. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of little funny stories like that that, that have happened to me playing sport. Um, but I'm honest and open about my condition and my stoma and stuff. Everyone knows about it at the rugby club. Um, if new players start, they'll have a little look. and like, Well, what's that? And I'm happy to explain to them what it is. But at the end of the day, they see that I'm, having the same output on the pitch, I'm playing just as hard as they are. So it's never an issue. It's never been an issue at all in terms of sporting circles. Um, so, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's really good that like you're open about like, um, like speaking out about like your stoma and, and, and everything that you've been through because then like, like, like other people will be inspired by you to, to do like, um, to, to not let, like whatever has happened, um, like just stop doing the things that you you really like to do, and I think like um like 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 you like like going on those all those medications that you've been on, they're not they've not worked, they've stopped, they've worked again, but you've you've been through a lot, and I think people who do listen to this podcast will like even relate and like and like the advice that you you, you said that they'll that, that they really um relate to that too. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always had an attitude of, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. So when my grandma first heard about it, she said, oh, I'm really sorry. And so that's not the attitude that I've ever exhibited in my whole life. And it certainly wasn't going to be one that I was going to exhibit now. Um, and my kind of take on it is, at least it's happening to me and not someone that I love and not, yeah. not one of my family members. I'd prefer to take it on myself and it's better that it's on me instead of someone else who, I mean, not in my family because everyone's quite strong in my family, but who isn't necessarily that way built in their brain. Like 
I've got a very sort of staunch attitude about everything. Like things aren't ever going to stop me. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going through. Um, so I'm all right with it. It's happened to me. It is what it is. Um, and actually me and my mum had a conversation. She's got rheumatoid arthritis, um, which has been diagnosed in the last few years. And we both had conversations with each other. Like I couldn't deal with what you're going through. We both said it. But then we had a conversation with Dan. I said, you know what? No, we could, because you adapt to the situation you're put into. Um, and it's just how well you adapt to, to that situation. Um, I've adapted incredibly well to having a stoma and to having Crohn's and all that kind of stuff. And you've just got to adjust your life slightly. Um, That's it. And the question about disability is a good one. Am I disabled? Right now, potentially not, because nothing's stopping me doing anything i've got to do bag changes and things like that which is actually uh something that changes your life and whatever else but in comparison to how i was when i was incredibly ill that disabled me a lot more that stopped me doing things that stopped me being able to do things without planning journeys and all that kind of stuff um and i think it's important that we don't think of ourselves as victims. We're not victims. It's something that's happened to us. We get on with it. But we do, uh, we we are sensible about the fact that we are actually disabled. And by ticking a box on a job application or something like that, we're not, um, we're not taking the place of someone else because actually we deserve the chance because our lives have have been inhibited to a certain degree. Definitely. So I think it's important that we're, we're sensible with ourselves and, and how we deal with, with the situations as a whole. That yeah. makes sense. Well, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's a really good advice um, because you can't just, you can't like, like let Crohn's disease, um, IBD, like bring you down. You've got to be like on your, on your good days. You've got to be as, as happy as you can because you, you don't know what's going to happen. So um, it is, it, thank you for talking to me today, and Matt. It's been it's a really nice talking to you and hearing about your experience and your journey with um, Crohn's disease. So um, it's been really nice talking to you. No problems at all, Mason. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Matt.